0: I think I can sum up the show for you with one word.
1: Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually,
0: I prefer to be called maestro.
1: And the kingpin, Brian Malonis.
0: He's the win,
1: and nobody beats him. This is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the New Age Insiders Network.
2: Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing episode 57, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro-wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing, they said. What wrestling the podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the Irresistible Force, the Immovable Object, the number one contender to the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship, the Kingpin, Brian Malonus.
1: Yes, life comes full circle, huh, Mike?
2: Yes, what is this? Are you going for number four?
1: For number four, my friend.
2: That's a record. That would be a record, right?
1: It would be a record, yes.
2: Because there's been a couple three-time champions. Handsome Johnny, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Anybody else? I
1: think Chase Del Monte. Okay. I think that's it. I don't know if Brian Fury is. I don't think he is, but I'm not sure on that.
2: But this would be uh, this would be epic.
1: It's always epic when I'm in there, Mike.
2: <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I, guess I, I so. won
1: the chaotic countdown on one friggin' leg on uh, Friday night. So uh...
2: Yeah, you were, you were just telling me that. You had a little, a little issue there.
1: Yeah, my knee's a little dinged up, but you know, it's okay. I can kind of get, I think I got maybe got some cartilage or something floating around in there. So once in a while, the knee gets locked up on me and I hobble around till I can get it back into place and then I'm all right. So I, uh, you know, it was, (laughs) it kind of came out at the end on Friday night and I, I hobbled around very noticeably and then I was fine. Uh, once I was able to sit down and kind of work out my knee a little bit, I was fine. And I walked, I walked to the back completely fine.
2: <laughs> and then you, you, uh, didn't miss a shot and the uh, following evening. You wrestled for beyond wrestling.
1: That's correct.
2: And uh, what happened at beyond wrestling? I'm hearing, uh, rumblings of I lost dissension. 400
1: pounds, Mike.
2: 400 pounds?
1: 400 pounds a dead weight.
2: Oh, I don't like where you're going with this. <laughs> Your good friend Ace Romero.
1: Yeah, well, he lost uh, every match that we that we wrestled. So I, you know, I don't hang around with losers.
2: Huh? did Did you do this before? A fella did this on the WWE Network.
1: I I did. <laughs> but great Great minds think alike. I got rid of my partner, and so did uh, good friend Tommaso Ciampa. So I, I tweeted at Ray Rowe that he better watch out because. Maybe it'll be the, the chaotic training center trifecta of turning on your tag team partner.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sleep with one eye open, Ray Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yes. And I saw a former guest uh, of the podcast, Maxwell Bauer, at Beyond Wrestling
2: as well. Really? Yeah. Well, he came on out, huh?
1: He did. All the stars were
2: out. For wow. That's amazing.
1: He walked in uh, Literally two minutes after my match
2: (laughs) (laughs) so he came just in time
1: yes exactly
2: (laughs) all right well today on the wrestling podcast about nothing on the nai network after a lot of chatter this past week about the indies and wwe we're talking the myths and misconceptions of what goes on on the independent level of pro wrestling plus we've got your promo about nothing and a whole lot more so let's get right into this brian uh of course, everyone's talked about it. This uh, Randy Orton stuff on Twitter. There was something put out there by Rip Rogers talking about the typical indie match, uh, which I mean, to me was kind of funny. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know how you felt about it, Brian.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was funny.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a little haha, a little haha yeah, for people. Yeah,
1: I, I don't, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. You know, just it was funny.
2: Right, and and then uh, Randy Orton retweeted it, and things started to uh, go south in terms of the internet wrestling community, Brian.
1: Well, I think what really got people pissed off was his tweet at Bully Ray.
2: Oh, yes, uh, saying that Billy Ray is not diving, he's falling. I think he put,
1: like, legend or veteran in quotation marks or something. And
2: I guess there's some sort of heat there. I'm not quite sure what is going on. But one of the other things that Randy said was... Um, he talked about being on tour overseas and uh, making over five million dollars for the company in the last eleven shows.
1: And uh, uh, yeah, and it's not doesn't add up to a sold out crowd of one hundred and fifty paying eight bucks at, at the
2: armories. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's kind of what inspired me to. Uh, want to do this podcast today, talking well, about... Well,
1: at least he inspired somebody. <laughs> of, co- of, co- of course it's you. <laughs> Thank you,
2: yes. I, I really appreciate it, Randy Orton, for uh, giving me some inspiration for the wrestling podcast about nothing. Talking about the kind of misconception about indie wrestling, of course there are those local fly-by-night promotions who put the same 100 people in the same building every month, but there's also independents that bang out a couple thousand people in the high school gym. So we're going to try to address a lot of these uh, myths about the independent scene and maybe even confirm some of the myths that are out there. First of all, Brian, the misconception that, I mean, I don't know if it's a misconception as much anymore, but people make a living wrestling on the independents. I mean, back in the day, this was a complete misconception. Maybe not a complete misconception, but for the most part, you couldn't pay your rent working independent shows
1: yeah i think there's a couple of different types of people on the in, uh, on the indies who are quote unquote just wrestlers there are those who somehow find <laughs> ways to for living arrangements and things of that nature on the on the cheap and don't really make all that much but also don't have a regular job and then there are those who truly do make a a, a living on the indies
2: so you're talking about like a, the guys that like name independent wrestlers, uh, people that can actually get a good payday. They get their airfare and hotel paid for. They get flown all over the country, and plus, you know, they get that that t shirt money. You know, yeah. uh, so these are probably guys that are either coming off a run in like a prominent company, or I mean, it could just be guys that are good at promoting themselves. They have a good social media presence. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I think of a guy like Tommaso Ciampa. Who right. left Ring of Honor, bet on himself, and then was actually making a honest to God true living on the Indies before he was signed to WWE. Like a really good living. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean you know I'm not gonna discuss figures or numbers <laughs> or whatever, but you know, was was doing really well for himself. You know, and then you kinda got the guys who just live at home still <laughs> or live with a friend or something, or living on somebody's couch and they're getting, you know, 50 or $75 paydays and just not working <laughs> during the week, you know. And that's tough to me because I, I think, especially when you think about, I, I, I mean, unless you're a guy who, if you're married, maybe your wife has a job where you have insurance or you're making enough money where if you were to get hurt for an extended period of time you can afford medical care or you can afford your own insurance and you can live if you got hurt and you're out for a while then i think that's when that's the type of guy who should be just quote unquote living off of pro wrestling but if you don't if you don't have some nice savings and you can't afford health insurance or don't have another means for health insurance or something along those lines you you probably should have some sort of job i think on you know and not to say don't don't pursue your dreams or anything like that and i mean lord knows for years me and you had a very had, a, had kept a job that maybe wasn't the most lucrative job on on earth but it was a steady job and we could have the flexibility to chase our dream
2: right and someone like uh Hanson, hansen a friend of ours i think we even talked about this in the podcast we did with him way back when uh he had uh, he worked with us at one point, and then he went to another job that uh, you know paid him better money and still, for the most part, gave him flexibility. Until it became a little too much with you know trips overseas and stuff like that. Yeah, but and
1: then yeah, he kept that job until he was making considerably more than what he was making at that job. <laughs> you know, he he made sure that you know I, I mean, Warbeard was smart. He waited till he could he could make a true living you know, and whatever that number is in people's minds, you know, I'm not going to tell people what to think a good wage is, but I, I have in my mind, hard numbers, you know, of what I would need to make in order to not keep a steady employment, you know, in my real life.
2: Of course you have a, you know, a two income household. I mean, these guys, I mean, like that you mentioned that, um, maybe it's a good thing you don't have that responsibility. It's, I mean, i love to not have that level of responsibility and just be able to uh you know as you said live on people's couches and be able to just go to the gym and and wrestle but it's in this day and age i mean especially where you and i are now in life that wouldn't be feasible
1: no and i, I just think of guys and, and the biggest thing i think about in those situations is you know, if you're a guy and you're living weekend to weekend just on the funds, and you don't have savings, and you don't, and you're not making enough to have money in the bank and pay for health insurance and and do all this stuff, and you're relying on that week to week income from from pro wrestling, that's not a steady gig. And and what the nature of what of what wrestling is and what we do, you can get injured, and you could be out for, you know, what what if you're out for a month? Can you can you survive? Can you have money? Will you be able to live? Will you be able to pay your bills? Um, if you were to have a month-long injury, a two-month injury, a six-month injury, a 12-month injury. Um, because these are things that happened for uh, of all the wrestlers in the world all over. Those are the types of things that literally happen every single show. Every single show, every single weekend, every single, you know, there, there's there's the potential for that. Every time you step through the curtain, you know, could be, literally could be your last match. Uh, I mean, the, it's just the nature of of what this is and what we do. You know, so if you can, you know, I I would, my strong recommendation to, to anybody, and it's not don't pursue your dreams, it's if you don't have money in the bank to live for a couple months, you know, if you were to get hurt, I would strongly recommend having some sort of, some sort of steady employment where you have a steady income so you can live and can have health insurance and can take care of injuries because, and that's not, that's not not going for it, that's not, you know, that's just being smart. That's right. just, you know, making intelligent adult, grown-up decisions.
2: Yeah, like we talked about, there are a number of guys that are able to do this. Uh, people getting flown all over the country. That they're not coming off TV. They don't have international names per se. It's just a whole different world now from when uh, you and I started out. Doing yeah, it, doing this whole thing.
1: I, I use myself as an example. Like I, I I obviously have and I, and I and I don't talk about it all that often because it kind of takes the uh, you know magic away. I think a little bit, but no, I, I have a nine to five job. I have a family that I have to support, and I don't make enough from from wrestling. However, I do make enough from wrestling where I don't lose money. I can buy my gear and buy my boots and get merchandise to sell and get myself to shows and things of that nature and not lose money
2: well you want to talk about losing money brian <laughs> 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 let me uh talk a little bit about referees um <laughs> actually we're, t- we're talking about kind of uh paydays now and randall keogh at randall Keo on twitter kind of asked that when we uh when we sent the word out what do you want us to talk about when it comes to misconceptions well for me referees obviously get a smaller uh <laughs> payday than than the wrestlers and probably rightly so um I mean, the referees do work more often, but of course, it's a less physically tasking um, endeavor. But I mean, I I would go to Delaware. I went to Delaware for probably, it had to be over a year, traveling to the ECWA, which is one of the like really early independence when it comes to um, professional wrestling, and it was a seven-hour drive each way, Brian. And you know this because we did this drive a number of times together, uh, barely speaking to each other. But uh,
1: <laughs> we were saving it all for the podcast.
2: Thank you. Yes, yes. And now it's all coming out. But uh, I will, I will let you know that for these seven-hour drives each way, when I ref my matches, you know, I ref half the show basically. So, you know, four or five matches. My payday was $15. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And I did this for a long time. I lost. I thought, my- I thought it was
1: bad that I only got fifty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I lost money, like you know, when I stopped at the Cumberland Farms down the road, five minutes from my house, to uh, begin the trip. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of the sacrifices. Hey, you you
1: make that, that didn't stop you from getting that chicken and steak combo at the Texas Roadhouse every time. Did it? No, it did not. <laughs> that's why. That's why. That's why you were stuffing rolls in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> All the peanuts you can eat, brother. <laughs> Peanut. You brought you brought in a uh, a knapsack and uh, filled it with peanuts and rolls. <laughs> 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 got to get home, brother. <laughs> that's the way you got
2: to do it. That's the way you got to do it. But yeah, I mean that's kind of i mean
1: like i got a i got a kind of funny story about that about about free uh free food at, at places and okay. it's kind of a, a it's an aside but it's a funny aside so we were at uh chili's after a show where the hell was it somewhere like in fall river or some some place out there and uh, a good buddy who i who i miss in the wrestling business seeing Big Rick Fuller, uh, who was, you know, was with, with WCW, and a guy who was a great mentor to many of us here, you know, in the New England region for so many years. We were at Chili's, and you know, we're all eating. They bring the chips over. We're sitting in the bar, and I think they were like free at that point too. So we're eating the chips or whatever the first round, and and then the waiter comes over. Oh, do you guys want more chips? Uh, yeah, yeah. And and then it dawns on Rick. He goes, Oh wait, these are these are free refills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring a couple over, bring some sour cream, bring some... <laughs> Rick was like a kid in a candy store uh, when he realized that the chips were bottomless and free. So, <laughs> Rick Fuller ate like a king that night for free. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's the kind of things you do. I know we talked about uh, Warbeard Hanson at one point where he has. We uh, was very low on funds and he'd have his salad. He would go to the Fixin's Bar at Fud Rocker's
1: healthy leftovers too.
2: Yes. <laughs> he would uh he would make himself a salad out of the it's basically the dressing for a hamburger. They have lettuce there, they'd have tomatoes there. So he'd go there and you know not pay for anything just go over to the fixin's bar quote-unquote and grab some well, lettuce he, would,
1: he wouldn't go to the fixin's bar oh he he'd would. have to he'd have to have somebody who he would who delegate that food yeah go to the <laughs> uh go to the fixin's bar and grab for him <laughs> yes
2: and, uh, and as you mentioned he would uh happily take anyone's leftovers if they were done eating <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is the kind of thing what's, that happens. What's uh? <laughs> yeah, he'd have his fork kind of in his hand as a weapon, ready to go and uh, ready to eat anyone's uh, anyone's waste. <laughs>
1: so, so, yeah, Wait that's... a minute, you might want to rephrase that. <laughs> well, no, no I'll just leave it,
2: Let it sit there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of uh, what we dealt with in doing the independence, and thankfully, it looks like things are better and. There's better paydays out there and stuff like that. Uh, t-shirts are a big, huge part of uh, an indie wrestler's basically payday now.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, very, very, very big part is getting mer- not just t-shirts, but eight by tens and other pieces of merchandise. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have two different styles that I have right now, and hey, actually, this week, Mike, I'll have a third t-shirt coming in. The formerly online exclusive uh, Immovable Object shirt will be in this week. So how about that? Wow. Yeah. All right. That's a big part of it is the merchandise.
2: And see, I even let you work in a little plug there. So, perfect. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to another misconception, Brian. I think that you can dismiss this one probably more than anyone else in independent wrestling. The notion that everyone is friends. (laughs)
1: <laughs> why, wait why me why? <laughs> wait a minute here what are you saying
2: well, well uh, let me just say this this kind of goes back way to the 80s where people were like you know hey they all go to the bar together after they uh, have their wrestling matches but it's kind of the same now as it was then like in any job you're in it doesn't matter what the job is they're gonna be people you don't get along with and the notion that you know everyone wrestles on the card and then goes out to the bars afterwards well there are groups of people that do this you know groups of friends not everyone in the locker room is friends with each other and sometimes you even have to you have to do business as they say with someone you're not exactly friends with and i say this about you brian because there have been occasions where you've had beef with people in the locker room i mean but it never stopped you from doing business as i say with that person right
1: no, I, and that's part of being a professional. I, I had a a series of matches with somebody who at the time I, I just didn't get along with. There was real disdain between us, and there was never one errant shot from either of us. There was never um, one instance where we refused to work with each other. It never mattered who was going to win or lose, and we went out there and had really good matches, and Nobody else knew, you know. Nobody in the cr- nobody in the audience knew. I should say there was any any beef in between us because it gets squashed the minute you go through the curtain. Business is business,
2: <laughs> right? But has there ever been any issues you personally or with someone else of someone who kind of handles something like that in the ring, like maybe takes liberties? Is there anything that you can think of?
1: Um, I mean, never with me personally. Right. Um, I. I i can honestly say I, i've never intended to try to hurt somebody or, or stiff somebody or or you know anything of that nature my my entire career no matter if i like them we we're best friends or or it, it, you know ironically i think it's it's your best friends that you end up hitting a little harder <laughs> and, right. and doing some of the the create your crazier stuff with you know um you know, I've I've probably hit, haven't hit harder, and they and they and no, and they've probably hit nobody harder than they've hit me than with guys like Max and and Warbeard and Tommaso and um, you know uh some of our other friends you you tend to i don't know it's funny it, it, <laughs> when it, when it, when the closer you are probably the harder you hit each other but
2: and probably on the flip side the the more that there's might be an issue there you don't want to be you don't want to be perceived that maybe you are stiffing a guy on purpose so maybe you're even a little more cautious
1: yeah, I mean, you know, a, f- a funny story was, uh, I think we talked about it on, on this podcast, where the Tommy Dreamer wanted to put me in a mask thing, and then uh, you and, you and uh, Warbeard perpetrated a, a rib on me where you put on my 8x10s a mask. <laughs> yes, so, so I acted all, I acted furious. And I wouldn't talk to Todd, uh, or I wouldn't talk to Warbeard, um, and I, I, I wouldn't talk to Jamie. And I said, no, I'll see you out there, and I'll see you out there. And they legitimately thought I was going to go fight him in the Battle Royal. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then Warbeard tells a story that after I hit him with the first shot, he knew that I was just messing with him. So that's how I got my revenge. I let him think I was going to come out there and, and, and beat his ass, and then I didn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next point here. You have to be good to be booked. (laughs) Let me just just say that people get booked on shows for any number of reasons. I mean, but today, being good in the ring is probably more important than it's ever been. I think we can say that. But there are a bunch of ways that guys that aren't necessarily, like, technicians, perhaps, uh, can get on a card.
1: Well, yeah, and they're wide-ranging, too. They're anything from they add something different uh, and they have an interesting character to they're going to sell a lot of tickets <laughs> to the show if you put them on it.
2: Right, yeah. There's there's guys you know that bring 20 people to a show when, when they're on the card. So, okay, he may not be the best. I, I can think of an instance specifically uh, where a guy not really good in the ring, but we know... He brings people with him. When he's on a show, he'll sell 20 or 30 tickets to his friends and they'll all come to the show, and that's more money. So,
1: And, that, and that's how Mark Sherman became the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight <laughs> Champion. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sherman's going to hear this and get mad. I am kidding. It was just a joke.
2: <laughs> that, is not, that is not the person I was thinking of, uh, but as it turns out, this person didn't bring that many people to the show, so he wasn't around that
1: long. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
2: but yeah, that's one way a guy can get on a show. If, if they know that you can get people to be there, even if you're not good in the ring you can get on the show what about if you do like other work from the company if you run the website if you put up posters if you do behind the scenes stuff they'll like they'll give you a spot they'll say hey get in the battle royal the hey you know go in there and put this guy over there's a lot of
1: it, it's not as prominent now but i mean there there are shows where i've worked where there are only, there are only two or three of us getting paid and then everybody else who was terrible, barely trained, shouldn't have been there? All worked for free, or I've heard—I've literally heard of instances where guys paid promoters to to be on shows and wrestle certain guys.
2: There are legends of gentlemen paying to wrestle guys on shows. <laughs> legends? <they've>, yes. <laughs> legends, yes, legends, legends of, of from various publications. <laughs> I <don't laughs> think re- they're wrestling legends, specific buddy. guys.
1: Yeah, I think they're true. Uh, I, I know of a couple <laughs> yes. that, that I can confirm. <laughs> yeah,
2: so I mean, there's, there's that way. There's, I mean, what if you're just a good person? <laughs> if you're a, yeah. a good guy to have in the locker room that that's that that really too.
1: the one that really chaps my ass is just the the guys willing to work for free and then yeah the whole selling about passion and this and that you know like I would do this for well, I I won't do this for free unless it's for I mean I will I will wrestle on a benefit show um if it's a good cause and I know the money is good. there's so many scams with benefit shows but uh, if I know that the money is going to a to a great place I know uh, Pat Dillon with UFO every year works with i believe it's the boston children's hospital and he puts on a great event every year uh and i have volunteered to work that show every year he's done it and i and i don't take a dime for it even though even though pat has offered i will not take a dime for that show it's a great cause i know the money goes to a great place the woman who puts it on with him uh works her ass off to get people in the door to it but i'm talking about the guys who will just work for free just to get on shows and i hate that because that drives down the price for for everybody this is a business. The, the relationship between promoter and wrestler should be a mutually beneficial relationship. Uh, you're putting me on your show because I can make your show better. Hopefully, that's what you're thinking. And I'm putting my body on the line, and you're going to pay me a salary for that. It's no different than when you go to your regular nine-to-five job. You know, I, I, uh, yeah, I want to get paid when I, when I do wrestling shows. So those are the ones that really, um, that really bug me.
2: Yeah, what, what about if you own the ring? <laughs> that's, that's another one that I've uh seen in the past. You own the ring, you own certain equipment that people are using, and I don't know whether it is a condition to use the person's ring or whatever, or if the promoter just feels obligated to because you know you have the person there um,
1: well yeah, I guess if you know if if you're the the promoter negotiating with the person who owns the you know the equipment or the ring or whatever and you negotiate that as part of it then i i actually don't have a problem with with that because at least you're off you really, at least you're providing some sort of benefit for the show you know it's not just you're like hey don't book that guy that's gonna you know charge you fifty dollars book me i'll just work for free
2: as you said that is kind of um Driving down the quality, yeah. driving down everyone's prices. It and- was it was
1: more prevalent when we first started, I right. think. I mean I've definitely done like ridiculous drives for well, I I've gotten stiffed on paydays that I thought I was getting paid for. Uh-huh. Uh and then and then there were times where, you know, the old hot dog in a handshake. But what that really means is you got like ten or fifteen bucks, you know. Yeah. I mean I've got I've gone with four guys before in a car and we got we got twenty bucks for the car. You know what I mean?
2: Wow, that's like, uh, you might get a couple of uh, Happy Meals for that.
1: <laughs> well, that's the gas. That's the gas that got us there. Not even fully. <laughs> right. <laughs> you
2: know. All right, so let's move on to something that Glenn Abbott at G.A. Russell Nut. his misconception was that no one working the indies is as good as WWE talent. Of course, this is kind of even a more ludicrous statement now than it's ever been with the way WWE is basically plucking talent from the independent level. They've acknowledged, basically, there was a point in time where, you know, that low-key indie wrestling stuff has no place in WWE, but, I mean, they ended up signing low-key. They ended up, uh, even more so these days, signing guys uh, that have made their names on the independent level. I think this one is just about as big a misconception as we've had so far here, Brian.
1: Right, but at the same time, it's not this whole nefarious thing you know what i mean it's wwe um here here, i'll I'll break it i'll I'll break it to everybody here wwe is not a pro wrestling company what they are not a pro wrestling company
2: they're making movies
1: well yeah they are a entertainment company that produces uh television shows Uh, and on those television shows there are characters that fit certain roles Um, Their tryouts are more or less casting calls at this point. They find prospects for them, but the guys that go to NXT, the guys that they want for the main roster, they are essentially casting calls. Do they have something in mind that you fit? Do you fit a role? It's not about the wrestling. It's how you fit into their roster. Um, So for all the people who get upset about why doesn't WWE bring in, like, say, a Kenny Omega, if you like Kenny Omega, would you be happier seeing him in WWE in an undercard role of some sorts? Or are you happy seeing him wrestle main event quality matches that he's capable of in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Do you know what I mean? Would he fit into the main event? And not, and not like, is he capable of it, but his character, his story, his personality, what they're looking for at that moment, does he fit that role that they're looking to fill? Or... Would he be a guy that they view to slot in at at a lower level? Um, that's and, 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 again, it's not this whole nefarious thing of they hate these independent guys or this or that. It's just with WWE, it's a television program. If they have a certain amount of guys who look a certain way, wrestle a certain way, their character is a certain thing, they don't need more guys like that. They 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 need to. Diversify. Um, I think one of the biggest knocks about WWE for a long time was that they that they didn't diversify. It was everybody looked the same. Everybody was cookie cutter, and they've actually done a really good job, um, you know, in recent years of of having guys that look a little different, from a Kevin Owens to... You know, everybody used to look like, <laughs> look like Roman Reigns and Randy Orton and Batista. And now you got, you got a guy that looks like Roman Reigns, but then you also have a guy that looks like Kevin Owens and a smaller guy like AJ Styles. You know, you have these different body types, these different characters, these different looks... Which is a good thing, but if you're a fan of a certain guy, don't get upset because he's not with w w e um, uh, the young bucks are another one I mean, could they go to w w e thrive yeah i think I think they could, but is there a spot for them right now to go in and do that is there Is there a place for w w e to slot them in on their weekly television show to give them the time and platform where they could truly be themselves you know, and you have to ask yourself that so do you want a different version of the guy you like or Do you want the same version of the guy that you like uh, and enjoy what they're doing now?
2: There have been times where we have witnessed it. We've heard it from a mouth of a WWE executive, them kind of looking down their nose at the independents. And they've, as you said, they've come such a long way and yeah, enjoy these guys while they're on the independents and you don't have to have confirmation on high that these guys are better than wwe guys or whatever just enjoy them for what they are on the independence and maybe they get signed maybe they won't but just enjoy professional wrestling for what it is wherever you can find it basically
1: yeah i think of like think of like aj style situation and he is become one of the top guys in in wwe he was a top guy all over the world beforehand but had WWE kept him when they first signed him, or were looking to sign him way back when, had he not said no thank you and had joined then, he wouldn't necessarily be the star he is today. Things have, the stars kind of have to align all in the right place for these things to happen. You know, he found, and I think he'd be the first to say it. I think I've heard him say it on podcasts before, where he found himself and he found this character and this look and this style of wrestling that has led him to the point where he was able to go to WWE and have one of the best first years of anybody in the history of the company. Would that have happened with the, the AJ Styles of 10 years ago? I don't know.
2: Yeah, everything happens for a reason. And I think the. He may be a little older, but the time is right, and he's kind of put it all together. and
1: He's become one of the biggest stars in the yeah. world. He's one of their unquestionable top guys uh, and will be for the considerable future. I think he's a guy that they uh, you know, are, are, are literally building around at this point.
2: So let's move on, Brian, to let's talk about the matches themselves. Independent wrestling matches, of course. This all started <laughs> with Rip Rogers. Um, dot,
1: dot, dot. Dive?
2: yes tweeting <laughs> a typical independent wrestling match but i'm gonna go for the, this misconception brian this misconception is that everything is called in the back again this is probably uh, i mean a truer statement now than it's been in the past especially for people just coming up um but i think the best thing for a new guy to do is to kind of be thrown into the deep end and call something out there in the ring i remember a time In Chaotic Wrestling, I don't know if you were there yet at the time, Brian, but John Walters, uh, who's uh, had some success as RJ Brewer in Lucha Libre USA, and Vince Vicallo, uh, they were on a show, they were just starting out, uh, and they were having a tag team match with two guys, I believe it was supposed to be Scarecrow and somebody else, I don't remember, maybe Mike Studd. And they were in the back calling this match move for move. This is what we're going to do here. This is what we're going to do here. We're going to keep them in this hole for 10 seconds. Then we'll work our way up, do this and that. Here's the cutoff. Here's the finish. da 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 They called all this stuff. Then they sent Walters and Vicalo out the curtain to the ring. And then they sent out completely different opponents for them. <laughs> uh, and, and it was uh, Mike Hollow. Was it Seek and Destroy? <laughs> yes, it was. The, <laughs> the Annihilators. Uh, uh, Mike Hollow and Duke Stalton under the masks. <laughs> but, uh, and they were the two trainers that time at the chaotic training center. And so, Walters, they're trying to teach these two guys a lesson, you can't call everything in the back and have... I mean, you can call everything in the back. You definitely can, and people have done it. But to really feel the crowd feel what's going on out there a lesson like this to send these two guys out there and completely blow up their match and go out there and call a tag team match in the ring in front of a crowd it kind of prepares you for any situation like you know what if brian what if someone blows a knee out during his entrance and then has to try to get through a wrestling match. Do you know anyone like that?
1: Thanks, thanks, Mike. <laughs> I'm, I'm not still having knee problems as a result from that at all. <laughs> oh, but, yeah,
2: the, what do you think about this, Brian, just the notion that uh, everything is called in the back? I know a lot of stuff is called in the back these days, but just the notion to go out there and walk and talk, as they say in the wrestling.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is it kind of goes in cycles. Because um, when I first came in, it was very much – call everything in the back. It was call the match from bell to bell. Um, That's how I learned at first. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. it's funny because even the way they trained us w- was a little different when I first started. And then we, I think it was like a, a, a Tom Pritchard camp uh, and and Pritchard came to the school and then we kind of went through this phase of call everything in the ring. And and now it's kind of gone the other way. And, it, and it's funny, I, I for so long was a guy who like, let's call a couple of things. Let's set up any any big things we have, but for the most part, let's just call it out there and read the crowd. But now I think the way um, matches go, the uh, athleticism of matches, you do have to call a lot in the back. Some things you can't can't be done on the fly. <laughs> you know what I right. mean. Um, some things you have to set up. Some things you have to walk through. I, is every match called like that? No. But I I would say it's more prevalent uh, in in, in the world of wrestling now than it had been previously. And and the funny thing is, TV wrestling is... uh, Here's the real funny thing. I think the guys on WWE TV now have a little more freedom than than they used to as far as calling stuff in the ring. Obviously, when the match is being produced, they have to have big spots so they have the right camera angles on certain things. But I I know for a fact, from seeing stuff firsthand, that... Certain matches were written out like scripted from bell to bell. Uh, I'll leave the wrestlers unnamed, but I, I was I was at TV and and it was with Max Bauer, and they brought us in the ring to walk through stuff with two guys, and their entire match was written out on like three pages of like you know legal paper. Yeah, <laughs> Bel and this was like main event guys. Like this was like this was like the like one of the main events of the show. Um, I, I believe it was a title match. So. And, and I think now it's a little different in WWE. I think they, they do get a little more freedom to call stuff in the ring. And again, obviously, though, the, the big difference with TV wrestling is... Um, commercials. You to, yeah, you have to build either commercials or you want... The, they want the right camera angles on, on big things. They want to make sure those are captured for people at home or if... Uh, WWE is really good at hiding a guy who was out, out of the ring and is coming out of nowhere for either breaking up a pin or hitting a move out of nowhere type of thing. They're really good with their cameras of of disguising that stuff. Obviously, it doesn't have the same impact as, you know, it doesn't have the same impact for the crowd live there, and it's a little different on the indies where you are largely performing for the live crowd. But um, yeah, and, and and that's the big difference too. You're you're in front of the live crowd. Um, but yeah, the, again, going back to the original point, I think it's I think it's a fifty fifty proposition. I think I think there is a lot called in the back, um, but for guys in the business, you should be able to do both. You should be able to call a lot and be able to remember it and go through it. You also should be able to switch that plan up and, and call on the fly if need be.
2: Right. And that's uh, to be a well-rounded performer. That's kind of the training that you should have, whether it's at a school to do that, um, you know, on your off time or to, you know, I know some people that will do like, uh, I don't want to say lesser independent shows, but like smaller independent shows just for the opportunity to say, hey, let's try something different. You know, we're, This isn't the crowd I'm usually in front of, so let's try something different tonight. Let's go out there with just a finish, and let's just work out there and get to the finish and see how it goes.
1: Sometimes you have to. Sometimes it's somebody's late to a show, somebody is, you know, I don't know. Any number of things happen, and you, you have to. You're like, all right, well, we don't really have time, so... <laughs>
2: Let's talk about the referee's involvement when it comes to calling a match. Uh, I really don't get involved at all when it comes to calling the match. Uh, When I first started, um, I'll bring up someone that you brought up a little earlier, Brian, Rick Fuller. When I first started, I uh, would kind of hang around and listen and almost just be standing right there where guys were calling their matches. And I remember Rick Fuller uh, (laughs) just turning to me, standing there listening and going... Would you mind going away <laughs> so, so i i that's I took that advice uh, I took that on board if you will, and i i from there, I just kind of let the guys call the match, and I'll just kind of hang out and you'll hear your name like being yelled across the locker room. And that means they kind of need you to go over some sort of false tag (laughs) spot or a distraction spot. But, I mean, if that's not the case, I just approach the guys before they go out and say, you know, what's the finish? Is there anything else I should know? And then we just go out to the ring and it happens. Sometimes, though, especially in tag team matches, I like to try to eavesdrop a little bit (laughs) because in the Indies especially, some guys, I mean, I'll just say it. Some guys don't take the care that they need to when it comes to figuring out their cutoffs and involving the referee. Um, A lot of times, independent tag team matches, they won't consider the referee at all and just cheat right in front of me. And it just makes me look dumb. Uh, Because usually, you know, for a cutoff, it's kind of an illegal double team. It's like, you know, the guy on the apron throws the knee into the guy's back as he comes off the ropes. And I'll kind of be in the back creeping, kind of paying attention to that. And I will know, okay, I have to distract myself at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Just to make myself, I don't feel dumb. And if you're staring right at that and that happens, it's just it's shoddy craftsmanship <laughs> to me so if i hear that there's gonna be a spot like that i will make sure that i uh, don't have my eyes on it like if they're gonna do that spot with the uh, you know the knee of the back i'll make sure i'm walking over to the babyface's corner and saying hey make sure you're holding that tag rope get back over there i'll find a way to distract myself just hey for my ref, own- look over there Oh, my God. That's <laughs> <tough>. uh, <laughs> terrible. But uh, that's just kind of for my own to keep myself sane uh, so I don't look like an asshole out there. But uh, Too late, Mike. <laughs> but uh, for more on matches, Brian, how about this misconception? Moves make the match. <laughs> of course, moves are great. Moves are amazing. Uh there's some guys that can do inconceivable things out there i know the term move set is like a modern term that was probably created by someone on the internet because i didn't never heard it until i heard it on like a message board Uh, when i was coming around um, back in my day brian no one was talking about their move sets um but i mean to me maybe it it's about moves Maybe there, it's somewhat about moves, but it's about the placement of those moves. It's about taking people on that roller coaster ride, as they say. Uh, Randy Orton referenced that typical indie match, and it's kind of funny because a lot of it is true. But you know, with the spectacular stuff people do, it's it, it, you have to put the stuff in the right place. Is what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, some of it depends on the show, too. I mean, some okay. of it depends on the audience you're in, you're in front of. Um, I'll, I'll use the two the two shows I was on this weekend. I, I worked, I wrestled for Chaotic Wrestling uh, Friday night, and I wrestled for Beyond Wrestling on Saturday. And again, largely wrestling fans are, are, are want to be taken for a ride. They want the story. But the fans at Beyond Wrestling expect a different style. They're there for a different style. They're a different type of pro wrestling fan. Where Chaotic Wrestling, we've been traditionally for Kids or or people who who like more traditional pro wrestling with good show to show storytelling, yeah. So you have to be able to understand the audience you're in front of and then craft your match for that audience because that's who you're playing to. And understanding your audience and knowing your audience and what they're looking for and what they're what they're expecting. But no, I mean I, I think Brian Fury says it all the time. You can teach monkeys wrestling moves. It's do you know how to place them where to garner the most response the response that you want to get people uh, emotionally invested in your match
2: and it's a matter of just knowing yeah as you said knowing your audience what do you think about the notion that you, know, you talked about listening to the crowd and knowing the crowd about the crowd dictating the match is that kind of backwards to you or... Completely backwards to me. Yeah.
1: You, 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 you know, we should be kind of the, the maestros, the puppeteers. It's, you know, we're taking the crowd along for the ride. And if you're good at this and you're, uh, you're having a good night, then you take the, the crowd in the direction you want to take them. Having said that, you can go out there and you have a plan and you start to try to execute it and they're just not buying it. But again, that's also part of knowing your audience, knowing what you're playing to or who you're playing to more accurately. But sometimes you do have to adjust on the fly and that's not letting the crowd dictate you. That's just like, all right, this is not working. Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's try to find something. Or sometimes you get in the ring and you find like the crowd's responding to something that you didn't necessarily expect them to respond big to, but they're not responding to the things that you thought they would. So then you give them more of what they tend to be responding to. It's, wrestling is about eliciting emotions from people, elic- you know, entertaining them. But at the same time, you want to, you know, you're looking to elicit response the the funny thing with pro wrestling is uh, it's not that like like Roman Reigns for example will use him why does WWE keep pushing him and putting him in the forefront because everybody keeps talking about him and people boo him very loudly and are very venomous towards him and they care about him um, if people truly wanted Roman Reigns off of their televisions they would have Be no silent. response yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the indifference is the only response that you don't want in pro wrestling that's it. Because if they're making noise, if they're reacting, if they are tweeting about you, if they're booing loudly in the arena that you're in, then you're doing something right. The people give a shit about you. Um, and that's all you're trying to really do. But yeah, no, the, the, if you're good at this, you're, you're able to take the crowd uh, on the ride, not, not vice versa.
2: Right. And let's do one more of these. I know we've uh, been doing this for a while, but I'm really enjoying this. Hopefully, people out there are enjoying this as well. What about the notion that Everyone does what they want. The wrestlers are just willy-nilly doing what they want uh, out there in the ring. This is kind of, I guess, dependent on the company, Brian. Um, Some companies are very hands-on. Some are kind of hands-off. When I was starting, Brian, when you and I were both starting, Uh, The goal was to put together a whole card that kind of worked like a match. Uh, We talked about the the roller coaster of emotions. You kind of want to take the crowd on that ride from the first match to the main event, all the peaks and valleys in between. I remember hearing from the opening match, hey, do not go outside the ring in the opening match. Don't do anything off the top rope in the first three matches because you want to save stuff for guys later in the show. I'm not quite sure it's going this way these days i guess it's dependent on the company brian
1: uh yeah so I, I think the reins are a little looser when it comes to you know doing stuff in the first match that you wouldn't do it in the last match and you know things of things of that nature um there's not as much as that na- anymore and and i mean it's fine i think i think pro wrestling has evolved to a point where you know not that you shouldn't save anything but you just kind of it just it is what it is. Um but yeah, it depends on the company. Some companies, uh, you know, there's different types of things. Some companies there's no structure. It's just all right guys, good luck out there and that's kind of the end of it.
2: Yeah, the guy shows up uh, an hour before the show and with a uh, notepad and just writes down, Who's here? Yeah. He writes exactly. down names next to each other and those are the guys that are wrestling and enjoy i'll be over here taking tickets <laughs>
1: exactly but then there's the shows like like a beyond where you know they want us to have the best match possible and not to take anything away from other guys or anything like that but just go out and have the best match possible and you know and the promoter there doesn't want to tell wrestlers how to wrestle he's he just you know he gives you the structure and the foundation um but at the same time he's not going to stymie creativity um and then you got other companies that where, where they micromanage you, um, you know, completely calm spots and stuff for you. But then there's those that just have a, a basic structure. Hey, you know, don't, don't do this because this is happening later. Companies that run angles from show to show, things like that, where you want to be more mindful. And this is also another one, again, playing to your audience. You, you, you need to know what, what your audience likes and what they're looking for out of your professional wrestling show.
2: Yeah, and I guess the point of this whole thing is independent wrestling cannot be placed into kind of a neat little box and categorized in one way. There are so many differences from promotion to promotion. And yeah, there are those 150 people heading to shows and armories all over the country, but uh, they're just as valid as the 100,000 people filling up a stadium for Wrestlemania and we hope we've been able to kind of illustrate that for you here today as we talked about kind of misconceptions when it comes to independent wrestling and we want your feedback on this show let us know every week we do something called merv griffin time that's a talk back segment where we interact with you the listener so tweet us at the W P A N on twitter with your take on the misconceptions do you have any more misconceptions about indie wrestling do you want our take on anything else going on On the independence. Use the hashtag W P A N. We'll mention you and your tweets this Thursday. Yes, I said this Thursday because every Thursday we do a whole new episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. It's called the BDA Bonus Podcast. And now, along with our Heel Laugh Hall of Fame Inductions, it is the home of the Dirt Sheet Shuffle. And that's also where we store all of our archive episodes of this podcast. All of it exclusively on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed on your favorite podcast platform. Or you can find it all at BDARadio.com. Uh, we're talking about interaction. If you want to interact with us here on the New Age Insiders Network every week, call our voicemail line. That's 401 401- Five eight four nine seven two six four oh one five eight four W P A N. We got a voicemail this week, Brian. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm not, but uh we'll get it going here.
0: <laughs> hey guys, it's Randall Keough at Randall Keough on Twitter. Brian Malone is Kingpin. Great job. I only want to hear we're doing the dirt sheet shuffle once an
2: episode, once every episode. Thank you for not making it too. Keep up the good work, and let's shoot for five, okay? Have a good one, guys. Bye bye. Yes, Brian, you are doing. Uh, you're turning it all around when it comes to the dirt sheet shuffle.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm the freaking man.
2: And Randall Keel, very excited about that. Uh, yes, every Thursday on the BDA Bonus Podcast, we are doing the dirt sheet shuffle. It's the best way to get your wrestling news fix. So make sure you find us on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed every Thursday or whenever you want to download it. It's there for you. We really appreciate your contributions to the podcast, so call right now. Before you forget, become a part of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. The number, once again, 401-584-9726. All right, Brian, it is time for your promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Bobby, Dunn, and Asuka? Yes, I'm talking Bobby Roode, Pete Dunn, and Asuka. Three people who stood tall at NXT TakeOver Chicago this past Saturday with singles championships in their hands. What BDA Radio stands for, however, is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDAradio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Don't be rude. Asuka to get it done on bda radio dot com. <laughs> oh fuck! How terrible! I disgusted myself on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, overall, Brian, you watched NXT Takeover, as did I. How you feel?
1: Uh, I thought it, I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly.
2: And that's kind of the deal. NXT, you're. I mean, uh, I don't want to put the pressure on them, but you're basically guaranteed to get an excellent show, which it was.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I thought it was, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um I think the spoiler alert here, so if you haven't watched it yet, you might might want to turn off your <laughs> turn off this podcast for a moment. I think the Champa heel turn at the end was incredible. Um I, th- I I I think it was an all-timer. I think it's going to be, you know, something that people talk about remember for a long time and i think that's going to be one hell of a feud i think that's going to end up being the main event feud in nxt for the next i mean who knows It could go for a year for all we know
2: well we kind of spoiled that like uh at the right from the top Brian. we talked about that oh, yeah, so. true true <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember that far
1: back um I, yeah it's you know what it's freaking monday if you haven't seen it by yet you've lost your spoiler
2: All right, right, let's move on to this week's promo about nothing, Brian. The year 1984, and we're heading back to Memphis, Memphis wrestling. And this gentleman that we're going to hear from is widely regarded as the worst Russian wrestler in professional wrestling history. Brian, his name is Korchenko. Oh boy. This week's promo about nothing.
0: The Soviet Union, long known for its supremacy in sports, now presents the most dominant figure in its long list of illustrious athletes. Korchenko stands at six feet four inches tall, weighs in at three hundred and twenty pounds. He has undefeated in professional wrestling. He has traveled the world over and speaks seven different languages. He has the only record victory over Idi Amin. Mean. He also the Turkish, the Iranian, and the Samoan pro heavyweight titles. <laughs> you Americans have some foolish ways. You bring your lights, your cameras, and this TV interviews, this this type of thing interrupts my daily regiment. I do not understand this. I. I do not need TV interviews. I I do my talking in the ring. Ha! That must be the American way. You wonder that if I hate the American people so much, then why am I here? But let, let me, let you understand one thing. I do not hate the American people. I feel sorry for them. The American athletes, they waste their time making television commercials, ET commercials. They should spend their time working out in, in the ring and in the gyms like Korachinko does. The American athlete and all the American people are soft, sniveling weaklings. You set back and you let machine do work for you, push buttons. When Korachinko comes to America. He will show you just how soft the American athlete is. But there is one thing that I love about America, and that's the American dollar. And I will take minty, minty of them back to the homeland. (laughs)
1: That <laughs> took minty minty minutes to watch, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Korchenko.
2: That accent was something else. He speaks seven languages, Brian. <laughs> Does he? Why did he choose why did he choose to speak to us in English?
1: <laughs> you, you know, uh, the funny thing is, is there's quite like the little competition within the promo. Who has the worst Ru- Russian accent, the presenter or, or the
2: or the wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> the intro, yeah, that intro guy. He is uh, my, uh, my, uh, he is the greatest of them all. Speaks seven <laughs> languages. Why? <laughs> uh, it, it's unbelievable. And the, the turning. Brian.
1: Oh, yeah. How about the hard cuts, Mike? You <laughs> must appreciate that sort of uh, that level of uh, video editing.
2: Oh, my, my God. I, obviously, he couldn't get through this promo in one take. So they said, okay, just get through this little snippet and then we'll have you turn and to the to a different camera which is probably the same camera and then i'll have you turn back again it's really well it was because the flag
1: was always behind him in the same
2: position yeah so i guess he's got either two (laughs) flags kind of kitty cornered or it's yeah it's just completely uh worked but uh he also talked about uh people doing tv commercials and et commercials
1: yeah i don't know what that means
2: (laughs) i think maybe maybe that was the intro guy et
1: sounded like him right I don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's minty minty people like Korchenko, Michael.
2: Thankfully, thankfully. Uh,
1: this, <laughs> Why the pronunciation of Minnie as "minty"? <laughs> I, I do not know. I do not know. He almost, you know I, I didn't think he was Russian until that pronunciation. I was like, oh, maybe he is.
2: <laughs> he almost seemed proud of it too. There's like a gleam in his eye after he said it. Uh, <laughs> uh, this gentleman, uh, his real name is David Strawn as I'm told. And he actually has another claim to fame besides being the worst Russian in history. Oh, boy. Um, like
1: these, when you present these things, they always go to, like, a frickin' weird, horrible place. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's not
2: that bad. Well, it's bad because it's reality TV. But he was a part of a reality TV show on the History Channel called Big Rig Bounty Hunters. Oh. And... He actually went by the name Korchenko on the show. <laughs> but, it's, but he had a Texas accent this time, not the uh, terrible Russian accent. I'm not sure if that's his natural accent or not, but I mean, I, he pulled it off better than the Russian one, I'll tell you that much. And <laughs> uh, it comes to Big Rig Bounty Hunters, Brian. I, I think he probably thought it'd be on for uh, minty, minty seasons, but it was uh, just on for two seasons. <laughs> and it ended in 2014. Shocking. (laughs) Very sad. But uh, Korchenko lives on on uh, YouTube and here on the promo about nothing.
1: Mike, speaking of reality TV, how long do we got till Big Brother,
2: man? It's coming up, I think, at the end of June. All right. Just finished Big Brother Canada, another fantastic season. I don't think uh, U.S. can measure up, but we'll see. We'll see, Brian. Oh boy, you and
1: your uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Speaking of Canada, yes, yesterday at Beyond Wrestling, uh, we wrestled these guys called uh, Tabernacle Team from Quebec. Yep. Um, and there was a gentleman in the in the crowd who started a, a USA chant, which, you know, I guess in twenty seventeen is offensive. But I, I responded with a big ho and thumbs up. <laughs> amazing (laughs) yes I made myself laugh (laughs) there you go
2: (laughs) well you've heard this promo about nothing folks if you want the full picture and you want to see all the turning find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the NAI network and now Kingpin you're hitting the highways and byways crisscrossing this great nation of ours plying your trade as a professional wrestler and give me them dates
1: I got none Mike you got none well, I, no, not for a couple of weeks, at least. I am going to enjoy the next few days uh, to recharge the batteries, heal the mind, body, and soul. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a busy few months here, Mike. Don't I deserve a little rest?
2: I guess so. You'll be back in June, though, right? some point?
1: I will be back in June. I actually return on Friday night, June the 2nd, Top Rope Promotions. Uh, the Police Athletic League, uh, the PAL Hall in Fall River. Uh, I will be there. Go to brownpapertickets.com. Find top row promotions on all your social media platforms. And then on Sunday, June the 4th, Mike, uh, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, uh, I'll be uh, on, a, on a benefit show called For One of Our Own. So it's for a great cause. Uh, lots of big names on this. Myself, my former tag team partner, AC Baby, Ace Romero, uh, the lovely Davey N, Jocelyn of the Sea Stars, Christian Casanova, uh, Anthony Green. I'll be taking on Josh Briggs in the main event. This is a good one to be a part of. It's going to be 1 o'clock in the afternoon, special bell time. So uh, check out the event on Facebook. I'll be sharing on on social media, and this will be a good one to to come out with. So that's the I, I don't return until that weekend, Mike. But uh, this week, and then and then this coming weekend, I'm gonna uh, relax, take it easy, kick my feet up, have maybe have a couple barbecues on the uh, on the Memorial Day weekend.
2: All right, and do some uh, do some podcasting, right? Nah,
1: eh, I don't know.
2: <laughs> All right, if you want to book the kingpin up. Uh, Email him, Brian at Comcast.net, or you can DM him at Brian on Twitter. Uh, Before we pack it up here, booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. Mike Mills, a good friend of ours, a good friend of mine anyway, they do their two podcasts a week. The Jim Cornette approved Sunday podcast is exclusively about Smoky Mountain wrestling. Uh, They go show to show on that every Sunday. Thursdays, their flagship show, they're talking about World Championship Wrestling, the old Saturday 605 show for the NWA, and so much more on that show. That's on Thursdays. So check both those out. Both those podcasts are on one feed, Booking the Territory. Find it anywhere you get your podcast, iTunes, the whole deal. Yes, Mike,
1: where was the promotion located that Korchenko was part of? What part of the United States?
2: Uh, it was below the Mason-Dixon.
1: So it was the South?
2: Yes. Okay, I was just wondering. Okay. <laughs> no more needs to be said, right? <laughs> right? Check in the Boots with at Referee Tony S, at ChipKCTB. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. Check in the Boots every Sunday. A great podcast. Make sure you check in with them. The Hurricane Rana, they do Facebook Live each and every Wednesday night, look up Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast, and of course, you can also find them on iTunes, Podbean, and everywhere else. And of course, we're here on the NAI Network. Continue to listen to this all week long. DC and Doc Talk, The Pipe Bomb with McCool and Company, Rant With Ann, Late Night Liam, Indie Pop, and I'm hearing Rumblings. I think I said this last week, but we're still hearing rumblings. The Inside Perspective will return with Scotty Slade, some other hosts as well. Stay tuned for that. Always stay subscribed to the NAI Network, and uh, make sure you support everyone here on the uh, New Age Insiders Network. And if you want to support us specifically... The best way to do that is buying our t shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com slash new age insiders, the curtain jerker, t shirt. You can also I hang out, I
1: hung out with a couple of real curtain jerkers on Friday night.
2: Yes, I retweeted that. That is on the at the WPAN Twitter. Uh, So go to Facebook.com. Also, you can go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN. Hit the big blue Shop Now button. That will take you directly to Pro Wrestling Tees, directly to our t shirt specifically. If you want to buy that, that would be fantastic. We really appreciate your help there. And now, Brian... We're coming back on Thursday with the WPAN BDA bonus podcast. Search WPAN on your favorite podcatcher or go to BDARadio.com to find us. Then you can join us back here on the New Age Insiders Network next Monday for episode 58 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Until then, here's the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. And thanks for nothing.